This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcast from oar.org.nz. Hi, good morning. Welcome to the Dunedin Yoga Lady. I'm your host, Kate Bendel, talking to you this morning about all things about yoga. This show, the intention for the show is hopefully to be very inclusive. And by that, I mean, maybe you already practice yoga and are curious about learning more, or perhaps you have heard about yoga and think that maybe it's not for you. And in many ways, I would like to dispel that idea and throw the doors wide open so people can realize that yoga has a lot to offer. And it is far broader and far more useful than perhaps the little tiny wee pigeonhole that it seems to have fallen into at this current moment in history. So what we're going to talk about this morning is this idea of actually the range of tools that yoga offers. And I'm going to talk about them in relationship to one of the models that yoga has of the human system and just kind of show you some of the ways that we use the different tools depending on what part of the human system we're trying to influence. And my hope for this is that firstly that you might learn something that you don't know already but probably more than that is that you might think oh well if that's yoga maybe I qualify maybe that would work for me Um, because I think my my agenda that's not very hidden really is that more people can come to yoga and find yoga that's going to help them in their life and that we get well past the idea that you have to be in your 20s and skinny and wear tights to do yoga. You don't. I'm in my 50s and I don't wear tights and I do yoga. So firstly, I want to explain to you fairly briefly that yoga is a philosophy. So more than anything, it's a philosophy that's thousands of years old and it has proven to be a philosophy that still applies as much today as when it first began thousands of years ago because it speaks to and speaks of the basic human condition, what it is to be a human, what causes us to suffer, and more importantly, how can we come out of suffering? That is the goal of yoga. The goal of yoga isn't to touch your toes. The goal of yoga is to reduce the level of suffering in your life. And we all suffer in different ways. And but I think we could, most people would agree that at some point in our lives, most of us are having suffering of some kind or another. And so one of the models that yoga has of the human condition, which is a very empowering model, I found, it helped me fall in love with yoga, 
is this idea that every single one of us has absolutely everything we need already within us to be fulfilled, happy and healthy. It's all here. We don't need to be going and kind of adding bits to our personality. We don't need to be seeking something beyond ourselves. It's all here. We came into this life with it. But through various patterns of the mind and choices we make consciously and and unconsciously, experiences and life, we some, sometimes things get covered over. So yoga is more a process of uncovering what is already there rather than creating something new from scratch. And I don't know about you, but when I first, when that really sunk into me, it was quite a relief. It was like, oh, I don't actually have to magically become somebody different to be happy. I was fairly unhappy. I was struggling with a major alcohol addiction early on in life. And I, at that stage, I kind of thought that the only way for me to stop being so unhappy was to somehow be somebody else. Whereas yoga says the opposite. It says that it's all there and it is a process of uncovering. So removing the layers, removing the blockages, removing the conditions. And voila, after that process, you will come across your own true self, which is by its very nature, wise, kind and happy. And so... Yoga goes on to have an explanation of the human system, which also kind of resonates and gels with quite a few sort of Eastern ideas about the human condition. And it is probably quite confrontational. It does not match up with the Western scientific view of the human. So you'll probably be somewhere on the continuum there either when you hear the model it might be oh my god at last someone's explaining it in a way that makes sense or you might think it's rubbish either way I'm going to explain to you what yoga says you are I am all of us are as human beings and it is saying that we are multi-layered and there's more to us than meets the eye and so there is a kind of a simple way to think of it is like almost like Russian dolls, you know, those dolls that you pull apart and there's a smaller one inside and a smaller and smaller one. It's sort of like that, but it's more permeable. So we have different layers, but they're not kind of separate from each other. They breathe in and out and mingle and merge with each other. But for the sake of defining them, it's easier just to kind of imagine almost that they're separate. And they go from the most gross to the most subtle. And what's on the most gross level is what you see. It's your physical body. So in this Panchamaya model, Pancha means five, so this five-layered model of the human being, the first layer is the Pancha, is the physical body, which is called the Anamaya. Kosha means kind of sheath or layer. And this is your physical body. Plain and simple, that the outside of your physical body, but the bones, the guts, the blood, the organs, all the stuff that make you up as a physical being. And when we look at that part of the body, it's like, well, what tools of yoga 
could be used to alleviate suffering in the physical body. So if we think of the suffering that we have on this physical layer, there's a lot. You know, there's the obvious things of illness and injury. These impact on our physical layer. But there's also sort of the imbalances of lifestyle. There's things like in, insomnia, obesity, things that come about from a sort of living in an unbalanced way and making um, choices of lifestyle and diet that don't promote health for us. So yoga, if it's treating or working with the physical layer, which is often the first point of reference for many people coming to yoga, it uses, yes, that tool of asana, which is the positions, the things that we see on the posters, that we see on Instagram, that we see in magazines, people doing postures with their body. This does affect the physical body. Hopefully, if it's taught correctly and done correctly, it influences the physical body in a positive manner. And so we can do things that are bringing health and vitality to the physical body by doing those what you could loosely call exercises. Um, I have talked in the past and will talk again probably more about there is a very, there is a way to do that part of yoga that makes it stand out as yoga rather than just exercises. It's not just exercises, it's a lot deeper than that. But so we're talking about how do we deal with this first layer of the, the anamaya, the physical body. So there is asana. So we do these postures. We, If you're a yogi, which means you practice yoga, often you are doing some of those physical practices every day. It's actually how they're designed is as a daily practice. Maybe not everybody listening to that does it every day. Often it can take years and years of going to yoga classes before people fall, develop a daily home practice. So no need to freak out if you're not at that stage yet. It can come with time and with the right teacher. So even if you're going to class once a week, twice a week, you will be engaging in those physical practices which are affecting your undermire kosher. You may also be getting some information or advice on how to influence vihara. Vihara is lifestyle. So yoga has a lot to suggest on what is a positive lifestyle, what kind of things can you be doing in life that are going to promote health, therefore end suffering, as opposed to things that are going to end up making you suffer. So part of yoga suggests this idea that ultimately to be free from suffering, we're going to have to deal with our senses, that we need to, as a human being, we need to learn how to master the senses. Otherwise, we are going to spend our entire life being dragged around by the senses, which are always stimulated and activated by external things. And I'm talking about, yes, if you think of, of how you live your life, what do you watch? You know, like if you're looking at yoga and coming out of suffering, you will reach a point where you're being asked, what are you feeding your senses every day? Are you watching lovely things on 
Netflix or are you watching violence and ugly things? What are you listening to? Do you have the radio just on full bore all day or do you feed yourself some silence? What are you feeding your body in terms of food? You know, kind of common sense, a diet of processed food or in yoga there's this idea of what's called sattvic food and that means it's food that's not overstimulating and it's not it's not heavy either so it's just the kind of the basics it's whole grains fruits vegetables healthy we all know what healthy food is really I think that doesn't need a lot of explanation and and that's called ahara the diet I mean you can branch off into Ayurveda the sister science of yoga and there is a whole kind of very enormous philosophy there in of itself like in detail about what spices and what herbs and what season to eat this and that so those three things primarily address the the anamaya kosher the, the outer layer if we come into the next layer so the, the next the most gross so the second layer in we come to what's called the pranamaya pranamaya kosher is then we're moving away from what Western science would accept and we're now moving into what's called your, it's your energy body, really, is a way of thinking it. It's that part of you that you cannot see. It is the part of you that actually is got life essence in it, vitality in it. Different Eastern traditions would call it different things, but in yoga, it's your prana. That is the energy of life. So this pranamaya kosha is kind of, it penetrates the physical body. Like when you die or you pass, the pranamaya, the energy body leaves. It leaves the physical body. It's like if you've ever seen a body that has no life, there is no life in it. The prana has gone. So in yoga, if we're wanting to work with the energy body, we're doing that already by all the things that are affecting the physical body affect the energy body as well. So yes, you carry on by doing some more postures. Um, you carry on making positive choices about your diet and your lifestyle. And that includes, includes things like sleep, which becomes quite important. And But then we also move into probably the most important tool that yoga has to offer for the pranamaya layer is the breath you may be familiar with the term pranayama that is that the whole body of exercises of of breathing yoga that's probably one of yoga's unique contributions to the whole field of well-being and spirituality actually is pranayama is this idea that we can influence our own energy body by how we breathe there is endless techniques on how to do different pranayamas and sometimes if you go to class some of them will be taught more often than not, it's taught one-on-one or privately because some of them are complex and they're quite powerful, which 
means that they're not necessarily the sort, sort of thing that is taught in a general class because there is also quite a high degree of readiness that needs to be there before someone is re ready to do pranayama in a way that's going to be useful for them because it's very subtle to be at a point where you think you could sit down and be engaged enough just by following your breath and doing different things with your breath. You've got to have a pretty quiet mind to do that. So it just depends on the state of mind at what point people come to the pranayama practices. Often it's something people do a little later in their yoga journey, you know, maybe in their 40s and 50s when there's the less of the physical stuff and we can move into pranayama. Not always. Like if you're a really sincere, serious student, quite likely that you'll get into pranayama younger, but that's not necessarily the case just for, for the general public. And also chanting. Vedic chanting is a very powerful way of positively influencing the, the energy body. And then the, the next layer in is called the Manamaya, and this is the intellect. And this is where yoga starts to get really interesting. Like yoga, I think, is spectacular in the way that it addresses all the layers of our being. Because I'm sure you can relate it. We can be physically fit. You know, there's times in our life that we might kind of be at peak physical fitness. But, but there can still be anxiety, depression. There can be mental health issues going on. So yoga says that that layer is a very, very important layer of our overall well-being. And what's happening in the mind is often the thing that will lead us into or out of suffering, that the mind can actually be the enemy. The mind can have patterns and thoughts that lead us into terrible suffering or we can learn to use the mind in a way that frees us from suffering. So that's where we would start moving into more what's called the interior practices of yoga um, where there's not necessarily the movement going on. It's more the things you see, you know, people sitting, looking you know, sitting in that classic yoga position, which, by the way, you don't have to sit like that to access these deeper practices. Um, but for us in the West here who don't have a life habit of squatting or sitting like that, it can be a real barrier to think that you have to sit on the floor in Padmasana, that lotus position, to do the interior practices. So, so the classes I teach, um, one of them in Port Chalmers, we have the luxury of these beautiful chairs in the room. And it is so liberating for people to be able to actually sit in the chair. So they have the spine upright, but they're not being interrupted or bothered that their knees aching or they're getting a sore lower back or they've got cramps. Because all of the interior practices require the emphasis and the concentration is now what's going on in the breath and what's going on in the mind. So we have to be able to have a physical body that is still. It does require that the body is still. Like when the body is still, the mind can become still, but it's got to be comfortable. And yoga 
even though it's not known as widely as Buddhism as a path of meditation, it's interesting, the chunk, the biggest part of yoga is the interior practices. It is the meditation. And yoga breaks it down into three practices, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. And so the first part of those interior practices is what's called dharana, and that's concentration. That's the ability just to hold the mind on one thing. Sounds pretty easy, but I'm sure if any of you have tried, you know, just even to follow your breath in and out for one or two cycles, it's amazing how quickly the mind can just whip off and do something else. Once we've mastered that, we reach tiana, which is the point where you're just holding that focus and something starts to come back from the point of focus. So in yoga, there's a range of focuses that you can have. It depends on your teacher and your lineage, but it's always something positive. So we are focusing either on the light, on some element of nature. It could be a, a divine, it can be a deity. And the idea in yoga is that if you hold something long enough, that you will then start to have some of those qualities yourself. It's a bit like if you, you know, had some rose petals and you hold them in your palm. If you put the rose petals down, you still, your, your hand carries the scent of the rose. So that's what yoga is, uh, says what happens in meditation. If I concentrate and just hold my mind in an unwavering way on the light of the sun, say, after some time, some of that expression of the light of the sun will become within me. And so that's the, the manamaya level. There's a level even deeper, like the fourth layer in, that's the vijnana like level, and that's talking about kind of wisdom. And in yoga, wisdom is different than knowledge. We're not talking about accruing a whole pile of information here. It's the wisdom, like somatic wisdom, wisdom that actually comes from lived awareness. And the tools that yoga would use here are all of the ones we've already mentioned, plus studying philosophy. You, can, you could be using um, chanting and mantra here would become a tool so mantra is the repetition of sacred sound and that's a science in itself and there's many many ways that that's taught and many ways that someone can use it it could be used right at the start in the physical level or it can be done more in it just as a seated practice and then the final layer that this model holds for us is called the Anandamaya layer you may be familiar with that word, ananda, means bliss. And what that's saying is once we penetrate from the gross to the subtle, what we find is that at our essence, what's at the very centre of us, the still place at our core is this place of bliss. So here we just have an experience where, where once the mind is still, which is what all those other yoga practices are trying to do. They're trying to kind of clear away heavy vibration and let the mind settle. Then we're going to find an experience of who we truly are. And that is going to be an experience 
of bliss. And so, you, again, all those other tools combined will help lead us here. And it's also from this place that often puja, which is ritual, can happen, or yantra, sacred geometry, can be used in this place. So hopefully, rather than being overwhelming, that's, it gives you an idea that yoga is broad and wide, and it depends on your personality, on what you're seeking, and what stage of life you're in, what tools of yoga you can pick up. It doesn't have to be that you do asana, it might be, but there's other tools available. So thank you for listening this afternoon, this morning. You've been listening to Kate Endall. Um, if you want to find out more about some of the classes where I teach, I do have a website called the Dunedin Yoga Lady. And currently I'm teaching quite a few classes up at New Yoga. They also have a, a website which is nuyoga.nz. And they have a range of classes and there's also some philosophy talks coming up in Dunedin soon and Vedic chanting will also be offered in Dunedin soon. So thank you for listening and as always, if you have any questions or topics that you want to, me to cover, there is a way to reach me on that website, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. So thank you for spending this time with me. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcast from oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.